0: Hey everybody! This week's episode of the RNRNR show is brought to you by Arcane Wonders and their new game, Age of Wonders: Planetfall, which is a very cool, fast-playing card drafting, engine-building game. Where every round we are coming to a new planet that we are trying to conquer by grabbing cards. And the tricky thing is, on each planet, each player is only going to get to grab two cards, and it's always going to be a tough choice of to what to sacrifice and what to focus on because a big in-game Objectives that everybody can be chasing after throughout the game. The other tricky thing is, depending on which card you grab, that could put you earlier or later in turn order for subsequent rounds, and that can add an extra level of complexity to the decision making as well. Now, this is a pretty smooth, fast playing game. It's almost a Gateway Plus, and based on a very popular video game franchise. And if you'd like to know more about it, Shay has done a run through. There's going to be a link for that down below, and also a link uh, to the publisher's page if you'd like to know more about this month's sponsor, Age of Wonders Planetfall. And now, let's get on with the show.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and
2: veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
3: Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
2: And and hello, friends. I was uh, uh, hitting my mic button and it wasn't coming on, but it is on now. Thank you, friends, so much for joining us. It's the R&R&R and r and r and r show. Uh, My name is Ruel Gabriela. Join, as always, by Chris and Ray who is hanging out with us today. How's it going friends?
3: Very good real. I'm very happy to be back and super excited to talk about Stonemire. It's one of my um consistently like favorite publishers. They have some of my favorite games. I am very very excited about our list today.
4: Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's going to be a fun it's a fun list and it's also I love that this episode is sponsored by not Stonemire but Arcane Wonders. <laughs> yeah. And that and that Arcane it's it's just like such a wonderful representation of like, publishers, supporting publishers. Ever, ever, I feel like the board gaming hobby is such, like, a, a lovely community, and you see that from, like, a publisher standpoint as well. Uh, I've I've always had really great interactions from a consumer standpoint with Arcane Wonders. I feel like I tell my customers, sure. my great customer service story about them all the time, where they just, like, Ooh. went above and beyond when when they had Sheriff and some of my stuff wasn't working. It felt so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's just, like, another example of, like, it's really cool that like publishers are just like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Top five stoneware games. It's cool. Arcane <laughs> wonders We like to, we like to build people up. So I just think that's like really cool. And Agreed. like a wonderful thing that, Agreed. that you would, you probably wouldn't see in a lot of other sort of industries as well.
2: Right. And uh, Richard in the intro was talking about uh, Planetfall planet fall, age of wonders, planet fall, and, I want to show this off. It's on my table right now, folks. Now, I have not played the game yet, but I have it all set up on this wonderful playmat. And I really wanted to, mm-hmm. I, I love, before we came on here, uh, we do a pre-show, folks. And you can click on the show notes below to check out all the chit-chat that we do. Ray had mentioned the artwork in this. And this is, I mean, it's beautiful. Yes. I, I love this. And it's right its right there embedded into the uh, playmat itself. Yeah,
3: yeah no, I know. I love this style. It's I wouldn't style is not the right word, but I love the artistic choice mm-hmm. to have a really dark background. And then those pops of super bright colors. I don't know if it's just me. It makes me nostalgic for like wise and otherwise like that, that color scheme you don't see very often. And I just, I love it. It's so distinctive and so unique and you don't. You don't see it very often. It has a really beautiful table presence. And then, of course, in addition, that beautiful playmat that kind of draws yeah. it all together is, is totally. stunning. Yeah,
2: it's gorgeous.
4: Yeah, I was saying I was saying before that you saw in Shay's uh, little run through that Shay had just like a little piece of piece of cardboard and you extend the cards out from that. Yep. And I'm I'm really not a playmat person, but I saw this at PAX on the playmat, and I was like, oh yeah, it's also beautifully organized. Everything has its like little spot. Yep. And then when I was pulling out my own I was like, whoa, but we're but where's all the little spots for it? Where's all the, all the nice little <laughs> but spots? But how do until, I
3: know? Right?
4: It's one of those things where, like, when you're creating that sort of static tableau, it actually it actually does feel feel really nice and, and sort of helps with the setup as well, which I appreciate. I appreciate playmats that, like, help to the functionality of the game and aren't just, like, a playmat for playmat's sake. Because yep. uh, yeah. I, I like... If it, if that, that way I can justify it a little bit more. I'm like, okay, no, it actually sort of increases the the functionality. It makes it easier to like lay things out, yeah. and be organized for everybody looking at it. Uh Furnaces Playmat is very very similar to that functionality yes. aspect as well also by Arcane Wonders.
2: Another Arcane Wonders game, yeah. yes.
3: it's like one of the few deluxified bits that actually I I can justify as well. I'm I'm mm. never a deluxifier normally, but playmats are so nice. It just helps it with accessibility of getting it to the table. It's one less fewer things you'd have to like look up and double check and it yeah, will yeah. be really helpful for new players who are visual to see where things are supposed to go and how they stack up and stuff. Super helpful.
2: Exactly. And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker too for a good play, Matt. So So uh, again, thanks to our sponsor, Arcane yeah. Wonders. But now let's uh, mm-hmm. talk about some Stonemaier games. We're talking about our top five folks. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, like Ray, Stonemaier is one of my favorite um, um, companies. I always, uh, I seem like I always enjoy their games. But we're going to talk, we've narrowed it down to our top five. It was a pretty tough uh, call here, but um, why don't we get to it? Uh, who's got our number five? Is that you? I think it's me. Chris, I yeah. Don't know what what you got for our number I five, my friend?
4: I think it's me. Uh, and if something else pops up, I'm just going to take credit for it, as I like to do. <laughs> uh, and somebody else can roll with it on the fly for my pick. Yes. Um, my my number five, though, I feel like very excited to get this number five pick because I feel like I get to pick um, sort of an, a, a little bit of, a, of an outlier. You know what I mean? I feel like there's the, the hits I expect to see. Uh, but this one. I, I was really torn between a lot of them to to put it into this uh this pick but my pick is uh rolling realms nice. uh rolling realms by Stonemaier, which yeah. which was uh like a pandemic game it was really a pandemic game it has evolved into this like really cool thing uh there you get three realms uh, and they'll be shuffled up, they'll be different each game, the combinations will be different. And then on your turn, you're, you you roll two dice, and you take those numbers and you can put them into some of the realms, but you can only put them into two, right? And, and so each of the realms has its own little mini game of things you're trying to complete to get points, but you can also get resources that you can spend to chain into another realm. And so the way they all interact with each other is uh, really fun. Really fun, a solid roll and write, a solid price as well. Uh, easy to play with a, a ton of people, as long as you know they had the cards or, or whatever. And just like a really lovely addition. I love its story too. That it started out as just like a, a pandemic game that we want to be able to, to play games uh, while while we weren't uh, able to be around each other. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like I like a I like it a lot. It's a it's a top roll and write for me and. Is, is great and it's not what i what i i kind of forgot about it because i think of it was not my typical stonemaier thinking and then sure. I, I was looking through the list i was like oh rolling rocks of course that's my
2: pick yeah yeah i i love this game and you're right it's i love the story about behind it as you know started in the pandemic and it became a real thing and I, uh, this is uh, folks if you haven't seen this before uh, Richard and I actually played this live here on the channel and you can go uh, uh, to the link in the show notes and you can play along with us and see how you fare against the dice that we rolled. Um, I love that the dice are like so huge and just ginormous. It's just a fun fun little uh, component there. But yeah it's such a wonderful wonderful rolling right.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree with what Goblin said. Goblin said, good choice, not that there are any bad choices. Truly, Sir yeah. is one of those publishers where I'm like, I have not, I've not disliked any game that they've put out. So that's, that's a great option. I feel like I kind of missed out on Rolling Rums. I didn't get into Roll and Writes until somewhat recently. So my, my great shame is I actually haven't played it. I only got into Roll and Writes like a little over a year ago, I was a terrible elitist for a long time. Of like, <laughs> I'm in this hobby for collecting. What am I gonna do? Collect paper? Like I was so <laughs> not into Roland writes for such a long time. So, I it's one of the few minor games I actually haven't played. So maybe I will. This will inspire me to go to go back oh, yeah. and, and give it yeah. a it's- shot.
2: Super good. Super it, easy it's, pull, it's so pick great, it Ray. Right? Yeah. I, if yeah. you like you know, rolling rights, I think <laughs> this is one of those games that you should have in your collection because it, it's so, um, yeah. it's just so robust and so great. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, that's our number five. And, uh, Ray, mm-hmm. you've got a number four for us.
3: I do. All right. So, I want to reiterate, this is hard for me. I really like Stonemaier games. <laughs> yep. I. There's so many good ones, and I wanted to say Apiary, but I haven't played enough Apiary to put it on this list. So I ultimately decided on Wingspan because it it had to be on this list somewhere. Yes. and I I love Wingspan so much. I don't think it needs an introduction. Uh, but by some chance, if you have stumbled upon this video and you were like birds, huh? What's this game? Uh, let me briefly explain to you. They, they just what found Wingspan it through their bird
4: searching. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So Wingspan is a beautiful engine building game about collecting birds and designed by Elizabeth Hargrave. You're going to be collecting various types of birds and placing them in one of three habitats. You've got this tree canopy area up at the top. You've got this grassland area in the middle, and then you have water at the bottom. And you're going to be slotting these birds into these different habitats, depending on those birds' real life habitats, which pin in that scientific accuracy, we'll get back to it. Uh, and then that's how you're going to be building your, your engine. Um, we had been discussing the last couple of weeks about like, best engine builder games and whatever. And that's a really hard mechanism to define. But Wingspan is one of the few Mm -hmm. games where I'm like, this really distills what engine building is. It's a really clean and simple engine builder. It's one of the reasons why I love it. But the way you're going to be building your engine is by placing those birds into those different habitats. And those different habitats are also going to correspond to the major actions that you can take in the game. So for example, if you want your birds to lay eggs, you're going to go to the grasslands to lay eggs And then the fun part is, when you go to do that, you also, generally speaking, activate most of the birds that you've placed in your grasslands. So as you're playing birds, it increases the power of those various actions that you need to take to play the game. And I picked Wingspan as my choice for this list for two, two main reasons. One... It's just the undeniable impact that this game had on the hobby. You can say you don't like Wingspan. You're wrong. That's fine. You're allowed to be wrong. But you cannot deny the incredible impact that this game had on the industry and on this space. Uh, for kind of anecdotally, I was in college when Wingspan came out and I was an earth science major. So I was in with all like the crunchy granola naturey kids, <laughs> none of whom had ever showed any interest in a board game prior. And all of a sudden Wingspan comes out and I'm walking into the cafeteria and I literally saw four kids from my class sitting down playing Wingspan. And it, it reached corners that I feel us as a hobby and as an industry, we're struggling to reach for the longest time. And there's layers to that. So like my initial layer that I saw was like the like academic people, right? People who have that sort of puzzly brain, but maybe never thought to pick up a board game, they didn't like them as a kid and then they forgot about them, wingspan because it is scientifically accurate it has this nature beautiful sciencey theme behind it that got a lot of those folks into the game and then if you step out another step the theme itself is soft and beautiful it doesn't have a gray palette it's not about trains it's not about (laughs) war it's not about a lot of those themes that our hobby gets stereotyped as being like that's all it is right i want to be very clear to say like it's not that soft beautiful themes haven't always existed but there was some perfect storm about wingspan where it was for Mm -hmm. many people the first game that they saw that had that had that kind of soft beautiful theme uh and then even one layer further than that it was also for a lot of people the first game that they saw that had a prominent woman designer Mm -hmm. so there are all these it was just this multiple layers of reaching people who who have grown to love this hobby but that we were struggling to reach for a really long time Mm -hmm. and i can't you can't knock Wingspan for that amazing impact that it had on the hobby. And then the second reason I picked it is because I love it. I've probably played this game <laughs> maybe more than any other like strategy game because I can get it to the table so easily. So many, again, as I mentioned during the pre-show, I spent a lot of time playing board gamers with like non-gamers or people who are only late, like, got half a foot <laughs> in the hobby. Uh-huh. And Wingspan is such an easy game to get to the table. It's got gorgeous production value. I, again, come from a science background, so I really appreciate the theme. Um, from a mechanical perspective, I love that you can kind of go all in on one specific strategy. Like, obviously, you need to balance it a little bit, but I resent games that make me do everything equally. I don't like that. Let me yeah. <laughs> let me just lay eggs for, like, three rounds and see how many points I can get. <laughs> right. I like that if you get the right cards, you can have these ridiculous games where you're stacking so many water birds that it's, like, an inch thick I, I like that it gives you that opportunity. And then, of course, the three expansions for this game are top-notch, incredible expansions. I love all of them. There's three, right? I think there's three. Oceania, yeah, Asia, Asia. Okay, and, and I'm Europe, making sure I got Europe, that number right. Yeah. Three are what I own. Uh, they're all really, really good. Um, amazing two-player expansion with Asia came out. Um, and it also has one of my favorite digital digital implementations of a board game yes. ever. I'm... I'm like solidly in board games and video games as like my two favorite hobbies. And I love when they kiss, (laughs) 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 when they come together in a beautiful way. It's amazing on Switch. It's like my favorite airplane game ever to pass and Mm. play while you're like traveling. I just, I man, I love Wingspan. It's so good. If you have it, if you somehow again have stumbled upon this video, you haven't at least looked into Wingspan. You should do it for yourself as like, it's one of those pillars of this hobby, right? That just stands as this benchmark. That you yeah. should at least yeah. owe it to yourself to look into and, and see if you'd like it.
2: Agreed. Yeah, that's my with long-winded yeah. Wings
3: fan. Sorry, no. I could talk about this game <laughs> all day. I love Holy. it so much, I,
2: and rightfully so. It, it, I think <laughs> it, it's great that you hit on the cultural impact of this game. Right? I mean, we're yeah. always we're all deep in the hobby, but we sometimes forget. You know, not everyone is, but then you see something like Wingspan when it took off I mean, it really took off. I and mean, we saw this on it like did. the Wall Street Journal's front page, you know, and stuff like yeah. that. And um Yeah. You know, we saw Hollywood <laughs> celebrities, you know, trying to figure out the rules. Mandy
3: and, Patinkin right? playing Wingspan yeah. lives <laughs> rent free in my head I'd forever. Love it. I yeah. love that yeah. so much. And yeah. on top and of
2: that, it's a
3: solid game. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, you know. That's the thing. Yep. Is it it deserves yes. all that praise. Like, there's some agreed. some perfect storm of marketing and timing, but for whatever reason, that game took off. And again, I want to be clear: like games designed by women with like beautiful themes, like those have existed for a long time. But there's something about Wingspan; it it took off, and yep. like that is we are better as a hobby because that game took off and brought new people into the space. So agreed. I think that's super cool. Yeah, I like yeah. That. awesome.
2: Agreed with everything. Yes. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that was our number four. Let's go on to number three. This is going to be my choice, and um, I I struggle a little bit uh, with my top three, but uh, they sometimes, depending on my mood, they would change. But honestly, this is the one that's always been my number one in my heart. Um, It is a fantastic worker placement game. Uh, The theme is money, and uh, folks, if you haven't played it, please give it a shot. It's Viticulture. I love everything about this game starting from the theme i mean you are sending your workers out to the vineyards and you're gr- making wine stomping on the grapes uh, i love lucy style and then you know filling orders and just doing all the things that a wine a good winery would do um my my bucket list item in my life i still want to play viticulture at a winery i'm i'm gonna i'm getting close but one Ooh. of these days i will play it there um it's a wonderful worker placement game uh where you Placing workers, doing the things, and, you know, gathering resources in order to make that wine. And you're going to draw cards to help you uh, fill orders and whatnot. And I think the really cool thing about this, it introduced, I don't know if it introduced, but it was, like, really uh, innovative as far as that grande worker, like the big worker. So, Mm. uh, in a lot of workers' Mm -hmm. placement games, you're going to get blocked out of certain spots, right? That never feels good, but back in the day, that's just the way it was. However, with the Grande worker, as long as you have that worker and you haven't placed it yet, you can go to any spot you want and take that action. I mean, it's just one little tweak like that, really. I mean, I remember when I first played I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not blocked out. This feels great. I can still fill an order. I can still get Grape stomped or whatever. It's Oh, mm-hmm. it's an awesome game. And then you introduce the um, expansion to it, so... A lot of my gamer friends they they play heavier stuff, so they always want to play with Tuscany, the expansion. Of this and I mm. love Tuscany as well. It introduces more elements, some special type of workers, um, adds another spot buildings that you can build, and also adds a sort of like area control map that you can uh, go on. I, I love Tuscany as well. I think if you're looking for a deeper experience, a more complex experience, uh, that's for you. But I'm fine playing either one because I love everything about this game. Um, what you're seeing right now on screen, that's Richard playing the original uh, Viticulture, mm-hmm. it's, which has basically been replaced by Viticulture Essential Edition. It took uh, some of the things uh, from the other, uh, exp- uh, some of the expansions, wove it into the game, and just made it a perfect experience. You know, you you starting with your starting resources and whatnot through the Mama and Papa cards. Folks, um, if you haven't played this, uh, play it. It is an all-timer for me, and that's why it's our number three on our combined list of Stomar Games, Viticulture.
3: I love Viticulture. I might have said this if I didn't know you were going to say this, because, like, gun to my head, I typically say Viticulture is is my favorite game, because I love a thematic worker placement, and yep. I also love the way this game like ramps up. I love yes. how it feels so slow at the beginning, and then before you know it, it's over. I love games that really nail unique pacing like that, and, uh, and yeah. I love the theme. Viticulture yeah. is so good. It
0: is. I
4: really love... Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a solo player. Uh, I've only played it at Tuscany mm. too, but but I've read through the solo r- rules set, mm-hmm. and I just love the idea of every, every turn of those seven turns, you get the different beginning bonus of the round, right? Like you're, you, that's how you, it manipulates the turn order and incorporates it into the solo mode that you can only use each one of the turn order bonuses once. I think that's like really, really clever and slick. Yeah. And it it makes me excited. I'm like, Maybe, maybe I am a solo gamer now. Maybe I will. Maybe <laughs> I will guess. Yes. join solo. us, Chris. Join identity us. crisis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is that me?
2: I, I think I'm it glad, might be. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, the solo um, variant in this game was created by uh, the Automa Factory, and that's how it started. Was mm. with um, uh, Viticulture, Automa. Or, I don't know if I, Automa or whatever. I don't know how to yeah, pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I say Automa. I never automa. know how to say it. You're yeah. a braver
3: man than me. I would not have tried, tried to say it alone because I don't know <laughs> how to say it either.
2: But, yeah, it's based on, I believe, the Italian word for like solo game or whatever. It's because it started with viticulture and cool. it I basically launched the company, the Automa or Automa factory. Um, and, you know, cool. we I, I love solo gaming, and I've played through the solo campaign for the original, but I have not yet played uh, Viticulture World. That is on my shelf of mm. opportunity. I can't yeah, wait either. for that. So that's a cooperative version. But, yeah, I'm so glad to see some love for uh, Viticulture. And, uh, Ray, I'll confess, like it really went back and forth for me, Viticulture or *A Wingspan. So one of us was going to end go. up talking we, about There we go. We found it. the yeah.
3: perfect compromise. I totally. knew it was going to be going back and forth with yep. the two of us, so totally. it worked out.
2: Okay. Um, speaking of the uh, number... T- well, let's go on to number two. We've got Richard joining us. This time,
0: Richard's not doing our number one, folks. He's got our number two, and let's see what he's got for us. Hey, gang. Here I am in beautiful Mexico. There's the rig behind me charging up for the day. There's the Sea of Cortez in the other direction, although the tide is out right now, but it'll be coming in soon, and maybe we'll be getting some wind surfers later on. Anyway... Oh my gosh, I love this topic because Stonemeyer Games is easily one of my favorite publishers, and Jamie Stegmeyer is easily one of my favorite designers. What have you talked about so far? Uh, Chris, Rolling Realms, I love it. I recently got to play the first three of the little mini expansions, and they were so good, I want to get all of them and just keep playing that game forever. Uh, Wingspan of course is uh, it's actually that's my number two in fact uh, folks if you stick around to the post show I'm going to be doing a rapid fire top ten my personal countdown of my ten favorite Meyer published games but Wingspan is actually my personal number two and you know what if I ever get a chance to play the Asia co-op mode that might push it into my personal number one spot. Viticulture well I'm not surprised at all. And man, I have to say, I love Viticulture World. That expansion so elevates the game. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, but my personal favorite Stonemeyer game, well... I'll tell you right now it's definitely not scythe actually i've played almost every single game scythe is one of the ones i haven't because jamie himself told me do not play it you will not like it it is not for you someday i do still think i should try the rise for fenders expansion because it turns it co-op although again jamie told me don't do it you gotta play the basic game before you play um anyway It's neither here nor there, because my personal favorite is Tapestry. Oh man, this game is so brilliant. The second best Civilization game of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Some people think it's a little abstract. I do not feel that way at all. I love the way history comes together in a beautiful tapestry of super powerful tapestry cards. The game has so much replayability. There are so many cool special effects, but the um, engine that drives everything... Thing, is so clean and pure and fast playing. Also, not for nothing, it has an amazing solo mode from Morton Monrad Peterson at the Ottawa Factory, like pretty much all Stonemeyer games, and I've really enjoyed that over the years as well. Tapestry is just so next-gen, so next-level. It's Jamie's greatest design of all time, and like I said, the second-best civilization game of all time as well. Although I just played Age of Civilization the other day, so Tapestry might be dropping to number uh, three on that list but it's my personal number one stonemaier game but uh i think the list isn't quite done yet right tapestry folks excellent
2: excellent game what a choice i you know th- this was on my top five as well it didn't make it quite to my number one but i i love tapestry taking that you know just big big game and being able to do you know things on just these little tracks and moving up the tracks is so much fun uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed tapestry. It was no surprise that Richard um, put uh, tapestry there. I, I figured as as much. Um, but yeah. I can't wait to play it again. I've actually played it solo, and it's got this really cool way where you can play with uh, extra um, AIs and stuff. I always like nice. that as well. So, uh, you know, Chris is a new solo player. We're going to get him to play Tapestry as well, right, Chris? There we as go, a new solo newly that's, minted, that's, self-identified <laughs> solo
3: player. I guess that's
4: it. I am the bastion for the solo board gaming hobby from here on out. Nice. Um, nice. What can I, what can they I say? They have chosen it's,
3: you as their champion. Yeah. <laughs> it just
4: happened. These things just happened to me. I don't know how it works, but it just happens. Awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. But I think we have our special guest waiting in the wings, Ralph. Well, if you want to, if yeah. you want to bring him in, we're gonna. I I, I see him backstage yeah. on Twitch. Uh, so we're gonna bring Jamie in right
2: now. Yeah, we've got we've got our top five. We've done four. Richard did number two. So we've got a special guest, uh, Jamie Stegmaier, join us right now to reveal the number one Stonemire game of all time. So give us just a second. We're gonna bring him in. <laughs>
4: we're back. We're here with Jamie Stegmaier. Welcome to the show, Jamie, and we're excited to hear your number one, or at least the number one game that you might want to play with us right now. Right, I'm sure it's very yeah. hard to, for you for you to pick through all of your darlings, but this we got to make a definitive list somehow and give you the honorary top number one spot. So thank you
1: so much for joining us, and uh, think, yeah. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I I am honored that you all decided to talk about Stellar games today. That that's it was a, a dream come true really. Yeah. <laughs> we
3: were all very happy to talk about them and we we grumbled a lot pre-show about how <laughs> genuinely difficult it was for us all to pick 100%. one singular game. I think I actually punched Ruel over picking Viticulture. It was, yeah. we are, yeah. it was, it got violent. Yeah. i
2: I'm Ruel still permanently I'm, injured. Yeah. I'm still yeah. right on, right on my chin. It was, oh, you know, I, yeah, yeah. Before, before Ray hit me, I used to have a full head of hair. So that's how hard she hit Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, before was, Ray
3: was, hit me.
2: <laughs> it was quite the, it was quite the shock to see. Right.
3: But, yeah. Yeah. It was wild. But, uh, but, yeah, no, truly Stonemaier is one of my favorite, one of my favorite publishers. Someone mentioned it in chat in the pre-stream that, um you know, when Chris made his his pick, they really were like, good pick. Not that there is a bad one. I cannot think of a Stonemeyer game that I haven't thoroughly and genuinely really, really enjoyed. So this is just a very self-indulgent list of like which is my favorite of all the games that I already I already really enjoy. And it's it's such a treat and such a pleasure to have you uh join us for this list.
1: Agreed. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I'm I'm really flattered and honored <laughs> to hear that. Uh yeah we we put a lot of love into our games. We have sixteen so far. So for you all to even have tried enough to make a top five list is <laughs> is amazing to me. Thank you so much. Uh, um, yeah. So, well,
3: is it? Do we want to? Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Ruel. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was just
1: gonna say, yeah. Let's uh, let's get to it. So,
2: as y'all show uh, saw sure. in the first uh, couple of picks,er we had Rolling Realms at number five, Wingspan at number four, Viticulture number three, and Tapestry at number two. So, Jamie, let us know
1: what is the number one Stonemar game. Well, this is a, a small preface. This is always the most difficult question for someone uh, to, to answer, in, including yeah. me, if, uh, if you do put a lot of love into your designs and your, um, your publications and I help develop all of our games. And so my initial answer was a, a tie, a 16-way tie for all of our games. <laughs> but uh, we added a few constraints like... Uh, Five player game, although most of our games do play five players, except for Spitting, so that didn't help all that much. But then we added the twist of what would I play with five of you, or the four of you specifically? A five player game with the four of you mm-hmm. that helped out a lot because something that I heard right when I came on, um, mm-hmm. Richard is a little little infamous for not having played Scythe, or as far as I know, he has not played Scythe yet. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to sit down and play Scythe with all of you and Richard Ooh. and have a non combat experience of Scythe where we have the threat <laughs> of combat, but it doesn't actually happen all that much, which yeah. is what happens in Scythe. Um, and we can all be Care Bears together, and I, that would be bring me a lot of joy. So <laughs> I, I'm going to pick Scythe, and not necessarily really as my number one game, but my number one game to play at this moment with the four of you, especially Richard. Nice. Because great of that pick. reason. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, a, it's a great pick. And Scythe was actually my number one uh, choice a couple of years ago um, when it first came out, but then I realized... You know, I'm a I'm a little more into wine rather than mechs, and so I went. I, I'm sticking <laughs> to viticulture. But again, like we've said throughout the show, any one of these could have been uh, a number one, and I think this would be a a really fun one to play with you, Jamie, Chris, uh, Ray, and Richard. Uh, even though Richard's the care bear uh, of the group, um, I would target him first, of course. But no, uh us <laughs> like all a- gang up <laughs> on Richard. I
4: think we can agree because he's not here. We all of our attacks are going That's straight how it works, for yeah. Richard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> holy, holy. um yeah so uh yeah. chris i i know this is your your type of jam right here chris any oh yeah
4: yeah any, any i'm i'm really that? excited my 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 friend and neighbor actually just i haven't i played rise of fenris yet and so my friend and neighbor just got his hands on rise of fenris and so i'm like super stoked to be able to dive and i've managed to avoid spoilers which is which is incredible to me mm-hmm. that like I've managed to avoid not knowing what's going to happen in that in that campaign, and so I'm so excited to see Scythe go to the next level. What I really like about Scythe, uh, and again, Scythe was was in competition for my my slot on this list for sure. Uh, I really love the the action the efficiency, right? That when I when I realized. That it was all about that efficiency of actions. I feel like I heard you speak about the number of actions it, it, it can take to win in in one of your in one of your videos or, or something like it was something along those lines of fourteen to seventeen or. Or in that in that ballpark, and I was like, that that blew my mind open. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get really good at sight, uh, and just like <laughs> trying to work out that puzzle and working against that sort of internal clock against what everybody else is doing, I find uh, so fascinating. And I love the I love the upgrading the systems. I always go for an upgrade objective just because it feels so good to to complete everything. And I love the asymmetry of the boards and just exploring this landscape. I think it's so fun. I think it's a I think it's a banger of a game and. Uh, everybody says that Rise of Fenris makes it even better, and I, that seems impossible to me, so I'm really excited to check that out personally. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link, so you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yeah. Ray. what about your experiences or- with Scythe?
3: I, I think I, I fall into a similar category with you, where I enjoy just getting the popularity and... Yeah, no, I I adore Scythe. (laughs) (laughs) For all the crap that I gave you, I think I I approached the game very similarly. And it was one of those games that for me was like the the big leap into like real hobby games mm-hmm. for me again. Uh, when when Scythe when Scythe came out, I was like around college age. And that was what that was like all the buzz in all of our games groups of like, oh, have you gotten Scythe yet? We pooled all of our all of our money together to buy a copy of Scythe for our for our board gaming group. So it's a very nostalgic
2: oh, nice. uh, title for me. I, I love that as a group getting again in a game like that.
3: Um, as <laughs> oh you, yeah. As you oh, see yeah.
2: friends, the video we're watching is actually uh James video of uh, Scythe and you mm-hmm. know, normally we, you know, we do our, uh, list of games and we say bye to y'all, but we're not going to do that this time. We're going to hang out with Jamie for a few minutes here and, uh, chat with them, get to know him a little better. And, uh, you know, the video that we just saw, Jamie, you know, start or, uh, for pretty much from the get-go, uh, once you, um, you started Stonemar, you've been a content creator as well, not just a publisher, but a content creator, creating videos, uh, writing, like I loved all the blogs that you did as far as, you know, Kickstarter and yeah. stuff, um, how do you balance that with being a publisher? Uh, Jamie, how does, how do you, how do you have the time and the, the energy to do all that?
1: <laughs> well, I, that's a good question. I, I don't always balance it as well as I should. <laughs> I, I try cause I do two blog entries a week and I try to limit the time I spend on them to around 30 to 45 minutes. Um, but it often stretches out beyond that. Like it, either it takes longer to write or the comments are particularly active in that post. And then I'm in, in, talking in, on Facebook about the comments and then on our blog about the, in the comments. And I enjoy it. I get a lot from those conversations. And so I think it ends up being worth the time. But it is. I have to sometimes restrain myself a little bit or constrain myself. And then with uh, the videos, I started those You're right, a, a while ago, maybe even slightly before Cy, maybe 2014, because I love talking about games and i see i mean i see how how much fun you all have talking about games i feel the same way i love to talk about them but i didn't want to review them because i i didn't want to critique my peers in that same way even if i don't love a game i know how much work and time and effort and love went yeah. into it from the designer and so i realized i could talk about just my favorite thing about a game my favorite mechanism with the hope of maybe inspiring myself as i talk about it and inspiring other designers um, to use whatever my favorite thing about that game is and just to highlight other games I love. So, that unfortunately, I found a way that that doesn't take much time. I, d- I don't do any entity and I just turn on the camera and talk for a few minutes about a game and specifically my favorite thing. So, that doesn't take much time at all.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. That actually goes very well on theme about what we were talking about at the start of the stream about publishers supporting other publishers. Like just the yeah. fact that mm. this is a stream sponsored by Ark and Wonders, and we're talking about Stoudmeyer Games the like entire time. <laughs> yeah. That it's, it's such a beautiful thing to give to this hobby that that series where you pick up other games and sometimes lesser known games and talk about why you love mm. them, and you you lend your platform to that space is really really commendable. And we yeah, really
4: appreciate I, it. <laughs> I think I think that's it, right? Like I I, I particularly yeah. I, I found you as a content creator talking about other board game mechanics and and I, I think yeah. that's just such like a wonderful meld of like Arcane Wonders sponsoring the Stonemeyer list and, and that sort of thing. We should we should shut I I asked you in the in our little break what your what your favorite Arcane Wonders is. I can list off a bunch of their games if you're if you're interested, if you don't have one off the top of your head uh, they have stuff like world wonders neotopia uh, Airland and sea aquatica smartphone Inc. which i still need to play furnace which i just played um recently uh picture perfect onitama uh, viral mage
1: wars man they got a lot they got a lot of stuff so <laughs> does Stonemire. <laughs> they do yeah. uh yeah i would say my 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 top three from arcane wonders right mm. now um would be Airland and sea which i, I yeah. really really so love good. The- that's
3: such a classic
1: the tug of war. Yeah. Um, and uh, Aquatica would definitely be up there. I really love Aquatica. Nice. And uh, what was the third one? The oh, oh, Sheriff of Nottingham, which I haven't played in a while, but that, oh. we had many, many great games of that. Just popping open that little, yeah. like, little uh, package to see what someone else has given you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those, those are probably my top three. That's a classic. Yeah,
3: we- nice. <laughs> sure. My... I, this is going to be a really random little tangent but I just have to tell the story super quickly my mom is a big board gamer and she loves to make like life-size versions of games and I have played like a real life version of Sheriff of Nottingham where you had like she would give you padding and stuff to pad out your bag but we were throwing <laughs> apples and like rubber chickens in bags and oh, stuff so whenever I think of Sheriff incredible. of Nottingham I think of that uh- <laughs> But yeah, no, those are That's those are incredible. great picks for Arcane Wonder games. Um, yeah,
2: all, all uh, classics, and I, I just realized, Ray, I want to play games man. with your mom. That sounds so fun. <laughs> yeah, she rules. She's yeah. the best. That's she, awesome.
3: I credit her for like this whole hobby that I have now because she's been she's been on it. I like to say she has something like a fifteen year old board game geek account. She's been. She was Whoa. an OG. <laughs> <You're into laughs> wow. it. I don't know if that, maybe BGG hasn't even been around that long, but she's been around for a very long time in in the space. So yeah, very was, cool. Um, but this speaking isn't a ga- this. this isn't a stream talking about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: know, speaking speaking about, um, I I do have a question in terms of like e- e- evolving in the space. I know mm-hmm. that you've talked a lot about Jamie about crowdfunding in particular, uh, and and the the differences that have happening. You you started a little bit on crowdfunding, and and even like your content creation. I feel was was uh from those blogs about like how to crowdfund a game I mean, like there's still very searchable things uh, and so i'm wondering yeah. how you've if you wanted to talk about like that journey of going into crowdfunding and then the the decision to to not not use it anymore or not need it anymore uh, and what those sort of decisions were i, I think that would be that, that that's something i'm personally quite interested in
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, and inside the game that I talked about today was mm-hmm. the, the, the last game that we had on crowdfunding on Kickstarter. Yeah. That was in 2015, almost wow. coming up on almost 10 years ago. Wow. Um, it's, uh, so some of our games would not exist without crowdfunding, without Kickstarter that uh, I want to put that out there. Um, but I, I do like our current method a little bit more than what we used to do and it's evolved over time. But what, what it's evolved into is that, um, These days, instead of crowdfunding a new game, we put all the time and effort and resources and money and love into making the game. And then when it arrives at our fulfillment centers or when it's almost there, that's when we announce it. So we kind of keep it secret until then. And then we announce it, hopefully, to a lot of excitement, certainly to our excitement. (laughs) And we reveal it. We talk about it. I I unveil it kind of in a design diary style way over the course of around two weeks. And then uh, a few weeks later, we put it on our web store. And we already have it in stock. And so we can start shipping it right away to people. the core idea is to, to instead of having like a one year gap between when someone pays for something and gets yeah. excited about something and then when they actually receive it, it's maybe a few weeks. And yeah. I've really enjoyed that. I don't mind yeah. when a surprise comes up. Like I still back a lot of things on crowdfunding and I like when they surprise me at, at, by showing up at my door. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. But every now and then when I hear about a new game and I'm really excited about it and I can just buy it and have it within a few days and then get it to the table while I'm still really, really excited about it. I love it. Yeah. So we try to do that <laughs> with all of our games.
4: That's awesome. That's that's something that like I, I feel I I spend a lot of time in the crowdfunding sphere and and you do feel that gap, right? Sometimes it's more than a year, it's two years. And then but being able to yeah. just capitalize on that, on that excitement be like, hey, yeah, we got the we got the thing. We know it's an amazing game, and you can have it right now. That feels so exciting to me. Yeah. Um yeah. I didn't realize it was that it was that early. Like you you had all the stock in your warehouses, but that makes sense in terms of being able to ship it out uh effectively.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I think it removes a lot of uncertainty too, because mm-hmm. I would say most crowdfunding creators, when they when they schedule ahead, they're hopeful that they'll have it within six months, maybe eight months. It, but it's, it's just a hope at that point. You don't really know what's going to happen with manufacturing and pre-production and freight shipping and fulfillment. You, it's all uncertain until it's actually in the warehouse ready to ship. And so we kind of right. take all that uncertainty we we take it out. It's not a factor anymore. We wait until we have that certainty and can actually ship it. But we are, I I will say that we are in a privileged position to be able to do that. I understand the many different value elements that crowdfunding brings to a variety of creators, big and small. And um, I'm not bemoaning that. I just, I, I like that. We're able to use the system that we have now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of want to pivot just a little bit because I feel like you've, you've, gained this reputation as this arbit not arbitrator, but this bringer of knowledge of the, the production process, right? But you're mm-hmm. also, as you mentioned earlier, you're actively involved in the design process for all these games or the development process. Um, and I love talking to designers about the playtesting process, because I feel like that's such an interesting point in that journey. And I was wondering if off the top of your head, if you happen to have a really memorable playtesting experience and opportunity, like, an encounter with a play tester that really taught you something or that maybe you realized something about one of your games that you might not have if you hadn't thoroughly you know, tested all your games in that kind of setting.
1: I love the specificity some, of that question.
3: Sorry yeah. if it's too specific. Uh, no, you can broaden it and take it however you want, but.
1: No, I, I like how those, one of my favorite things about games are those memorable moments that stand yeah. out, whether it's in the design process or when you're playing the final game. Um, one that does come to mind partially because I've, I've, shared this anecdote before, but it really is a good one because I love positive player interaction in games. Yes. I love when that happens. I, I love designing around it, but sometimes I just stumble into it and it happened with euphoria. Um, mm. and so there's a pretty, this is one that happened a while ago, but I do, I do really enjoy it. Uh, where, uh, it, it was a moment in euphoria, you have these markets that you can build by yourself. You can invest in harder to get resources in the game and put multiple dice on a market and construct it by yourself. But uh, the first time I, and so I, I kind of thought that's how players would do it in, in the game when we were playtesting. I thought, okay, why why would I,
3: um,
1: I let someone else um, help me construct a market if I could just do it myself? But they're testing it. I put a worker down on a construction site, or someone did it at the table. I can't remember who it was, it was a long time ago. Um, and then someone else did it as well. And as they did it, they looked across the table at someone else and said, hey, can you help me complete this? Because when you complete a market, you get your dice back, you get mm-hmm. your workers back, you." And it was this moment of unexpected collaboration with the other players that felt really good. And it was, it, it was one of those moments where we were actually like looking at each other in the eyes uh, across the table, like, oh, I, I see you. I see you have this resource. <laughs> you can help out with this in this moment. Yeah. It felt really good. There have been a few oh. moments like that over the years, but that one definitely stands out.
3: That's um, amazing. I love that. That is
1: yeah, so well, cool, and I'm I'm glad you brought up Euphoria because I was trying to figure out
2: a way. How can I bring up Euphoria into this conversation? I'm glad you did it, Jamie, <laughs> because that was the very first Stone game I'd ever played. Uh, back, I got into the hobby in wow. 2015, and you know, I you know, like anyone, I started with Ticket to Ride, like many people did, and I started going to my local uh, a local gaming meetup, and you know, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, yeah, and literally the game before that, we had played Carcassonne. I'm like, okay, I know the Carcassonne's great. And then we played you know, Euphoria, and my mind was just blown like, oh my gosh, there's so much cool stuff. I and mean, look at the board. I'm like, there's just so much. And I realized then, I was like, I like this type of gaming. I like modern board games. You know, this, like, it challenged me, but in a way that, um, I wanted to play more and I'll never forget that experience. And Euphoria actually, uh, folks, if you stick around for, uh, if you click on the links below, we have a pre, uh, a post show that we're going to do extended edition where we talk about uh, games that didn't make list, but Euphoria was on my top five for sure. So uh, thank you for sharing that. I love that uh, story. It's so great.
1: Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm gl- I'm honestly glad I didn't scare you off because Euphoria is probably the toughest teach <laughs> of any of our games. Yeah. It's one of these games where, like, to understand action A, you also have to understand action B and C, and maybe action D, which really daunting for a teach. And so I I love that you were open to that. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: I was very fortunate, the gaming group that I got involved with, they were very uh, welcoming and very, very good about teaching games. So uh, we were, I, I was, you know, able to uh, get through and they, they taught in a way just, uh, you know, where I was able to understand it uh, really, really quickly. And um, I, I was going to say, maybe it's because I'm so smart that I was able to figure out right away, but no, it, it was. And that's the, probably the it. Yeah, I think that's The it. teach was great. <laughs>
4: that's probably it yeah uh i Jamie i am curious in terms of like this sort of overarching um uh your your overarching publishing experience like what sort of what sort of things have you have you learned and and how has your sort of philosophy changed and evolved as you've been in the industry for for such a such a long time now over the sixteen games
1: yeah um yeah, sixteen games, eleven years. It has changed quite a bit because originally the first like five years of it was just crowdfunding. Out mm-hmm. of crowdfunding, we dabbled a little bit with retailers and distribution. Um, our main marketing outlet is still. Uh, it was much smaller back then, but it's still reviewers sending out. I, I sent out a ton of root review copies every month and every year, uh, of. A wide variety of games and expansions, so not just the newest thing, but also going back. I still send out review copies of Viticulture, which
3: mm.
1: originally released in, in 2013. We're in the hobby all the time; people are curious about games all the time. I want them to have, I want them to have our games come up in their feeds, but also to get, have them informed to see if someone might want to discover a new game. Might, they, maybe they'll discover the new favorite game, and so we send yeah. out a lot of review copies. Uh, That's a big part of it. And with conventions having returned, we also send out a lot of games to conventions for their play and win sections in particular. Uh, it's a system used at a convention here called geek way to the West in St. Louis, where you, uh, you, you all probably see a convention, but you, you check out a game from the library and then you have a chance of winning that game, all the games that you played, or any of the games that you played at the end of the convention. I think it's like a win, win, win for the publisher of the convention and the, the attendees. And so, uh, we lost that for like the first year of the pandemic, but we got it, we got it back. And I, I love that type of ex- of exposure for our games at conventions.
4: Cool. And just yeah. finding that sort of shifting market and get, making sure that it's out there and that people are talking about it and, and front of exactly. mind.
1: Yeah. Cool. I saw someone in the question ask about wingspan. Hmm. Uh, Go- Goblin says wingspan was a massive hit luck being part of that. Do you think a game about bees, uh they say would hit i'm gonna say will hit as much as a game about birds yeah uh wingspan is certainly an anomaly like i don't know if we'll ever have a game sell as well as wingspan but i do have apiary our b game right next to me yeah. um and this this game has delighted me from the first time i played it and i had so a good. blast working with connie uh, connie put so much amazing ideas yeah. into this game and it was really fun to develop with her so i i like I, I yeah, I don't think any game is going to take off the way that Wingspan did, but I hope that uh, people who are open to worker placement games and want something a little bit more complex than Wingspan are open to trying it. And I love what the space theme adds to it. I know that might be a, a turn off for some people, but I, I like I like that part of it. It sounds no, like you I, all have have tried it or yeah.
3: Yeah, I love apiary. I'm a big worker placement person. And the the idea of the the timer slowly ticking down on those bees is just is just mm-hmm. so it's so wonderful. It's so charming. The board is gorgeous. Oh, mm-hmm. I've, I was so pleasantly surprised and delighted by apiary. I'm I'm it's a serious contender for my possibly my game of the year. I need to play it a couple more times. Nice. I have like two weeks left before I have to decide. But I really was <laughs> really great. pleasantly surprised by apiary. <laughs> Um, And I'm tangential friends with Connie. So I heard a little bit about her like process of uh, coming out with that game and her, you know, kind of rise to stardom as this just breakout designer was such an amazing hit. And I'm I'm curious sort of how you found Connie. I don't know actually much about how you find the designers for the games that you publish, if you're willing to share what that process looks like.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we do, we have a submission form on our website where people can mm-hmm. kind of fill out a form to see the types of games that we're looking for to see if what they yeah. have meets what we're looking for. Connie, I can't remember if Connie did that. I think she did that, but mm-hmm. I met Connie because she came to a little playtesting event that we host every year called the Stonemaier games design day. It's kind of like an cool. unpub proto spiel type event, but it's just one day. It's a thing. A, yeah. We do it every year in like September, October. And Connie brought, an early version of apiary to, uh, or early for us. I think she had worked on it for about a, a year or two at that point, but she brought the game and it went over really well. A lot of people really had a great time with it. I watched it a little bit and I had some, some thoughts and notes. Mm-hmm. And she sent me a, a, a version of the game that she had revised due to the playtesting testing feedback a few weeks later. Um, so that was how I met her, how I got yeah. my exposure to apiary yeah. and how I soon after, uh, uh, really found that I, I love the game. Yeah.
3: Amazing. I'm I'm also yeah. curious, like at those kind of events, is there something in particular that you look for in designs that, that catch your eye? Because I'm sure you see so many submissions. Is there any commonality? Is there anything that, you know, that experience the players have that you can distill that you look for when you're picking a design?
4: Oh, I, I think, think we might have uh, lost Jamie. Oh yeah, no,
3: my question <laughs> destroyed your, his internet. Your question
1: was, your question was too, <laughs> too important. Question. Yeah, because oh, part of go. it's intangible, oh. seeing oh. how are they immersed in the magic circle of the game. Yeah.
3: Sorry, um, could you say your answer okay? again? Your Sorry. Your internet cut out.
1: Yeah, and then it caught They're up, cut out. and you I'm said sorry. it
3: really quickly. No, you're totally good. If <laughs> okay. you could just say your answer again, that'd be great, folks. We do watch. Yeah. We do yeah.
2: record this live on Twitch, folks. So you, uh, this is what happens sometimes. But we're we're okay. Yeah, and Jamie, if you don't mind uh, answering that question, that'd be great. Yeah.
1: So when I'm watching people play games where I don't know much about the game, I'm I'm more watching the people than the games themselves. I'm I'm watching are people laughing? Are they smiling? Are they are they intensely looking at their player mats or the board, or are they checking their phones? Are they kind of checking out? Are they, does it seem like they're they're questioning a lot of things? So I'm looking at the people, and I'm also looking at at least a little bit the user interface of the game. Like, can I understand a little bit of what's going on by just looking at at, at what I can see on the table? Yeah. I don't expect to understand everything from that, but... Uh, usually I, at at design day in particular, I drift around and I spend like 10 or 15 minutes every table, just trying to absorb what's going on and seeing how people are feeling about it. And, uh, and we also ask for people to rate the games that they play at design day. So I often take those impressions and then Mm -hmm. I compare it to what people actually seem to really enjoy at the end of the day.
3: That's awesome. I love that little, that little advice of looking at the players as opposed to looking at the Mm -hmm. game. I think that's. That's fascinating.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Just one quick tidbit. I was very fortunate. uh, Jamie had brought me out to StoneMire Design Day a couple of years ago, and it's one of my favorite experiences I've had in the gaming industry. uh, Because number one, I got to go to St. Louis for the first time in my life, which was great. Um, And I'd mentioned this. I talked to a. a, You know, you get to know uh, people at the uh, playtest event. A lot of locals, and I got to know a lot of locals there. And. You have a really wonderful scene out there, Jamie. Just very, you know, a lot of great gamers, uh, very kind, they're welcoming. And to be able to see a lot of these games, you know, taking shape was a really cool experience. So thank you again for bringing me out there. And also, for the first time, I got to try a toasted ravioli, which was delicious. <laughs> so... Y'all do it right in St. Louis. <laughs> sounds
4: really good. <laughs> I thought that was a game when you were first. I was like, "Oh, game what, should that? It I always mean, should be a game." Dude, so, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I've never heard of this one." Why wasn't
3: that on our top ten food themed <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I immediately delicious. started
4: googling. I'm like, "What? I, I, my my, my so research has been just sorely misplaced." <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: the secret 17 stonemeyer game. Yeah, that's what's uh, in the closet behind
4: you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
3: Uh, someone had an interesting kind of follow-up question in chat, which was your answer was for what you look for when you're seeing a playtest in person is there anything you look for when you receive a design on paper is there any way that a design can stand out on paper because I know from my experience it's really hard to read about a game and understand what it feels like so is there anything that you look for that you know can help you parse a game when you see it on paper and decide that it's going to be good on the table
1: There is isn't. it's a great question. I don't think there's a magic answer to it. Yeah, of course. um, (laughs) Yeah. Just, I guess, looking behind the scenes at our process, we have this, this form that you fill out that mostly just determines if your game is the type of game that we're looking for. Things like, does your game play up to five? Have you play tested it up to five players? Because Mm. we, that's, that's a hard limit. We don't publish any games that um, only play three or four players, for example. Mm. Um, And then my coworker and co-founder, Alan, reviews the submission. And this is where you kind of have to have a little bit of magic in the way that you describe your game. Sure. And I think the best yeah. way to do it, the best way I've seen, maybe kind of two things. One is to not try to sell everything about the game, rather sell mm. between one and three hooks, things that might really hook someone in um to yeah, because if you I, I don't know, if you make that list too long, then nothing's going to stand out. If you maybe make it yeah. too short, Uh, that may not seem like enough, but I would say two to three things that are, that are big hooks. And it is always helpful for Alan always tells me this when, um, someone is open to filming a few minutes of gameplay, like show us three turns of the game Mm. and on the video, if you're comfortable on video telling us what the hooks are, that's fine. You don't even have to put your face on the camera. If you don't want to do that, you can just show us the game on the table, but having, watching a game in motion can often, um, give us a better idea. Oh, it definitely can give us a better idea of how it plays than, than through those three lines or even from a rule book, because if we're getting 50 submissions a month, we're yeah. not reading all those rule books. We're using <laughs> yeah. other filters along the way.
3: Yeah, yeah, of course. That's a great answer. Thank you so much. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and one last question maybe from chat. If we have time, Ruel. Yeah. Well, why
2: don't we take uh, one more uh, uh, question and then uh, we'll be on our way.
3: Sure. Uh, I just wanted to ask this. Um, Jamie from chat says, how, On average, how long does a game take to fully playtest? I think that's an interesting question. It's obviously impossible to answer because every game is different. But I do think that peek behind the curtain of that process can still be interesting. So if you have anything to to add about that, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, it it depends on the game. Um, But uh, I'll use some examples. Like for Apiary, uh, Connie was playtesting it. I think for about a year before she submitted to us. And then during the development process for it, I think we went through around five waves of blind playtesting. And along the way I was playtesting it locally and, and playtesting every iteration of the game. I think that was around 18 months of playtesting that wow, we put into wow. Apiary. It might've been In a In addition bit shorter, to that year
3: look... that Connie did or wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. After wild.
1: we accept a game, it, there's still a lot of work goes into it and we look for designers yeah like Connie, who are willing to actively work with us. The designer isn't just mm-hmm. handing it off to, off to us and we just take it from there. I, the designer knows the game better than we do, so I, I want to oh, work yeah. with the designer and find people who want to do that. Uh, oh, expeditions great. took longer. I thought ex- expeditions would, uh, since it's the sequel to Side, I thought I'd wrap it up in a few months, but it took like two <laughs> and a half years to do the <laughs> for that one. So, yeah, it depends on the game, but usually it, it, it takes a while
3: amazing awesome oh, that's well, really cool I, I i feel
4: like
1: that's
3: a lot keep different going, but i don't from,
1: <laughs> yeah from a lot of other publishing houses
4: too where it's, you know, yes. a lot of them are just like no we're gonna put our spin on it and that's it and you're gonna have to just say yes and accept it i love that you you keep the designers fully involved and and, and want it yeah. to, to remain oh, their awesome. their creations, right? Just with a little little oh, tweaks yeah. to make it the, that little Stonemaier flair. <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, Jamie, thank you again so much for joining us today here on the R&R&R R&R Show. Um, thank you for sharing your insights and um, it was just a joy to uh, be able to talk to you again and um, hope to see you soon.
1: Yeah, it was great to, to, to meet uh, the two of you, real. It's great to see you again. And real, you might have actually been at the design day that Connie was there. I, I can't remember exactly. Oh, cool! You... Really? Oh. I think it was the one after the first one after we had to not do one due to the pandemic. So you, yeah. you might have been there when she was there. I'm gonna have to. Uh, know, yeah, like,
2: was now, now that you say skill. that, Jamie, I'm gonna go look at my photos from that event and maybe
1: you had the hot scoop.
2: Yeah, and yeah. you in, was in it. The, um, the
1: corner <laughs> of the room. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, I'm totally looking at my pictures after this. Uh, Jamie, thank you again. <laughs> 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 my pleasure. Uh, uh,
0: And thanks to sponsor of the show, Arcane Wonders. And now, folks, if you'd like to watch a bit of the extended edition of this episode, you can go on ahead and follow that link that's on screen right now, or down in the show notes. Oh, so much more stuff happens, folks. Lots of chit-chat, lots of technical snafus. You can watch, uh, well, suffer through it. And you get to see my top ten Stonemaier games and Jamie's top three Arcane Wonders games. Who knew? Lots of exciting stuff.